Russia-Ukraine war first civilian ship in a month safely leaves Ukrainian seaport. Victoria Kim Andrew Higgins Alexander Chubko Gaia Gupta Matthew Pope Big Valeria Safranova A civilian cargo ship appears to have safely sailed out of the country's waters in the Black Sea, the first to do so since Russia threatened all vessels moving to or from Ukraine. Here's what we're covering. A civilian cargo ship appeared to have safely sailed out of Ukrainian waters in the Black Sea early Thursday after departing the port of Odessa, the first to do so since Russia's warning last month that it would view vessels traveling to and from Ukrainian ports as a military threat. As of around 7 a.m. local time, the ship, the Joseph Schult, was positioned about 10 miles off the coast of Romania, according to the ship tracking platform Marine Traffic. The container ship flying a Hong Kong flag was the first civilian vessel to leave a Ukrainian seaport through the Black Sea since July 16. President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine called the ship's passage an important step toward restoring the freedom of navigation in the Black Sea, in a post on the social media platform X, formerly known as Twitter. Russia has not commented on the ship, which traveled through a corridor that Ukraine's navy announced last week, in the hopes of restoring some of the seaport traffic that had come to a halt with the war and Russia's de facto blockade of the Black Sea. The Joseph Schult had been stranded in Odessa since arriving there on February 23, 2022, the eve of Russia's full-scale invasion. For about a year, ships transporting grain and some other food products were guaranteed safe passage in the waters of the Black Sea from Ukrainian ports under an internationally brokered agreement to alleviate pressure on global food prices, but other civilian vessels would not have had such protections. The Joseph Schult is not designed to carry grain, but the more than 2,000 containers of goods on board included food products, Ukraine's infrastructure minister, Alexander Kubrikov, wrote on Facebook. Since pulling the plug on the grain agreement last month, Russia has repeatedly bombarded Ukrainian port infrastructure, heightening tensions and creating more uncertainty and risk for ships traveling through the Black Sea. Bernhard Schult Ship Management, a company based in Germany that co-owns the Joseph Schult with a Chinese bank, said in a statement that the ship's crew was safe. The company said it was bound for Istanbul via the territorial waters of Romania, a member of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. On Wednesday, Russian forces used drones to attack Ukrainian ports on the Danube River feeding into the Black Sea, destroying grain silos and port facilities. Romania's foreign minister, Luminida Odebescu, criticized the attacks, just across the river from Romanian territory, calling them flagrant violations of international law and saying Russia was jeopardizing the world's food security as well as safe navigation in the Black Sea. The State of the War Ukraine's counteroffensive. After months of grueling combat, Ukrainian troops have made tactically significant advances along two major lines of attack, according to analysts, compelling Russia to divert forces from other parts of the front line. An unseen army of mechanics. Behind the thousands of Ukrainian troops fighting the counteroffensive are engineers and technicians responsible for keeping Ukraine's tanks in working order. It's an essential, and often dangerous, job, KC. By deciding to fire warning shots and board a freighter, Moscow made good, apparently for the first time, on its threat to treat Ukraine-bound civilian shipping as potentially hostile. After more than two weeks stuck in a Black Sea traffic jam of cargo ships waiting their turn to enter the Danube River Delta to pick up Ukrainian grain, the Egyptian seamen finally reached solid ground last weekend and replenished their diminishing stock of fresh water and food.
delight at having enough to eat and drink, however, mingled with alarm that, after their brief stop to pick up supplies in the Romanian Black Seaport of Salina, they would be heading up the Salina Channel, a branch of the Danube inside NATO territory, and then into a stretch of the river where Russia has in recent weeks attacked at least two Ukrainian river ports. It is too dangerous up there now. Boom, boom, said an Egyptian crew member from Alexandria, who gave only his first name, Ismail. When Russia pulled out of a deal last month offering safe passage to vessels picking up grain in Odessa and other Ukrainian ports on the Black Sea, the Danube Delta seemed to offer a relatively danger-free, if highly congested, alternative. But Russia has since sought to torpedo that idea by bombing Ukrainian grain-loading facilities there, too. It further stoked fear among seamen on Sunday when a Russian patrol ship fired warning shots at a cargo ship sailing through the Black Sea and Russian forces temporarily boarded it, making good on Moscow's earlier threat to treat any vessels trying to reach Ukraine as hostile. The cargo ship was on its way to Salina, and then into the Delta to Izmail, one of two Ukrainian ports on the Danube attacked by Russia earlier this summer. Ukraine has also amplified the anxiety of threats to shipping by attacking Russian vessels in the Black Sea. Early on Wednesday, Russian forces attacked an unspecified Ukrainian port on the Danube with drones, Ukrainian officials said, adding that granaries and warehouses used to export grain had been damaged. The claim had not been independently verified. With waterways in and around Ukraine frothing with risk, however, the Salina Channel, a 40-mile stretch of water leading from the Black Sea to Romanian, Ukrainian and Moldovan ports in the Danube Delta, has kept grain flowing, becoming a vital and, thanks to NATO's protective umbrella, so far safe lifeline for Ukraine. Delia Marinescu contributed reporting from Bucharest, Romania, Tomas Dapkis from Vilnius, Lithuania, and Jenny Gross from London. Braving Russian shelling, three women walked for several hours from their homes on the front line in the southern Ukrainian village of Kamiansk on a recent morning to collect supplies from a humanitarian drop-off point in the village of Stepnohursk, about five miles away. Svetlana, Lysia and Natasha live in the so-called Grey Zone, a buffer area between the Ukrainian and Russian positions on the Zaporizhia front in southern Ukraine. The front line has changed little since Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, when Kyiv's forces stopped the Russian advance by blowing up a bridge in Kamiansk. Russian troops are ranged south of the village and trade artillery shells day and night with Ukrainian troops positioned to the north and east. Though most residents left the small village after the invasion, the three women stayed on, living off produce from their gardens and caring for their dogs, despite the almost constant danger of artillery bombardment that has left the village largely in ruins. The frontline area has come under increasingly heavy bombardment since January as Russian forces prepared to defend against the long-anticipated Ukrainian counteroffensive. Lysia's husband was killed in his garden when a Russian shell landed nearby in April last year. Svetlana's house was destroyed by shelling last spring and she moved into a neighbor's home. She was also wounded in a blast in April when handing out supplies of bread to villagers. The women's last names have been withheld for security reasons. They had come to Stepnohursk, the nearest place that government emergency services deliver humanitarian aid, mainly to collect sacks of dog food, which they balanced on their bicycles for the journey home. We were walking from 5 a.m., Lysia said. We had to take cover from the shelling many times. 
At home, they have converted their cellars into comfortable living spaces to shelter from the shelling. We are used to it, Natasha said. We sit in the cellars, which already look like hotels. We wait for victory. We pray. As she spoke, she began to weep. I'm born there, baptized there, I will die there, Svetlana said of Kamiansk. Local firefighters are among the few who still venture into the village, putting out fires from the shelling, rescuing people injured in the explosions and bringing in humanitarian supplies for the remaining residents. Only the stupid are not afraid, said Sarai, 47, the commander of the local fire station in Stepnohursk. But we still work. He also gave only his first name for security reasons. He said his home, along with almost every building in Kamiansk, had been destroyed by Russian shelling. There's nothing left of Kamiansk, he said. He showed a photograph of his rose garden on his cell phone. That's how it was before the Russian world arrived, he said, a reference to Russian President Vladimir V. Putin's vision of a united Russian-speaking territory that includes Ukraine. Sarai swiped his cell phone to show a photograph of his yard as it is now, burned and covered in rubble. At a small street market in Stepnohursk, Alla Viktorivna was selling potatoes, onions and tomatoes from her garden. Business is not very good, she said, explaining that there were few people left in the village to sell to. I never thought to leave, she went on. How can you leave your house, your garden, cats, dogs? I have a big dog. When the shelling begins, she said she usually hides in her cellar. But sometimes in the night, you don't have time, you just roll under your sofa, she said. You hear it whistling and smashing. The United States imposed a new set of measures on Wednesday cracking down on what it said was a sanctions-evading network that supports arms deals between North Korea and Russia, whose stockpiles of military hardware have been sapped by the war in Ukraine. The Treasury Department issued new sanctions against three companies, Versa, Versus, and Defense Engineering, that it said had attempted to organize deals to transfer over two dozen kinds of weapons and munitions to Russia in exchange for raw materials and commodities for North Korea. The Biden administration had already imposed sanctions in March against Ashitbrichev, a Slovakian citizen who founded or leads the three companies. Alongside our allies and partners, we remain committed to exposing and disrupting the arms trade underpinning Putin's brutal war in Ukraine, Brian E. Nelson, the Treasury Department's Undersecretary for Terrorism and Financial Intelligence, said in a statement. Under the sanctions, no U.S. citizens or companies will be allowed to have dealings with the companies, and their holdings in the United States will be blocked from doing business and must be reported to American authorities. It was not immediately clear how many holdings the companies have in the United States. For months, Washington has accused North Korea of shipping weapons and ammunition to Russia, shoring up Moscow's war effort. Both Moscow and Pyongyang have denied the charge, but they have extensive ties. North Korea imports and uses Russian military equipment and has backed Russia in the Ukraine war. Last month, Russia's defense minister, Sergei K. Shoigu, visited North Korea to attend a military parade and met with the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, who vowed to expand military cooperation with Russia and identified the United States as a common enemy. 
On Tuesday, Pyongyang state media KCNA sent a similar message, reporting that Mr. Kim had exchanged letters with President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia and had pledged military friendship and solidarity as the two countries developed their long-standing strategic relationship. KCNA said that Mr. Putin had sent a message back to Mr. Kim, extending congratulations on the anniversary of Korea's liberation from Japan in 1945 and touting the good neighborly relationships between the two countries today. In Washington, a State Department spokesman, Vadim Patel, said on Tuesday that the United States remains deeply concerned over potential weapons shipments from North Korea to Russia. Any kind of security cooperation or arms deal between North Korea and Russia would certainly violate a series of UN Security Council resolutions, he said. Ukraine would face formidable obstacles if it sought to revive Odessa as an export route for its grain across the Black Sea, not least among them Russia's frequent bombardment of the city's port, grain and shipping experts said on Wednesday. Their view dampens optimism over the departure on Wednesday of a container ship from the Ukrainian port of Odessa, bound for Turkey. The ship, the Joseph Schult, charted a course to the southwest, along Ukraine's coast and into the coastal waters of Romania, heading for Bulgarian waters. Both countries are NATO members, as is Turkey, and the route could enable the ship to stay out of the more northern international waters of the Black Sea, where Russia's navy is dominant. The Joseph Schult is the first commercial ship to leave from Odessa since mid-July, when Russia terminated an international deal that had allowed Ukraine to export its grain across the Black Sea. Moscow subsequently said it would consider any ship approaching Ukrainian waters to be potentially carrying military cargo. Andrei Sizov, the head of SOVCon, a Black Sea Grain Markets consultancy, called Wednesday's sailing a very small first step, but he said that unless the Kremlin guaranteed safe passage it was highly unlikely that Odessa could be made viable as a wartime export route because of the risks ships face while in Ukrainian waters. I doubt that at this stage anyone would dare to trade at Odessa, and vessel owners would not send their ships there, he said. The Joseph Schult, which had been stuck in the port since Russia's full-scale invasion in February of last year, is partly owned by a Chinese company and is not a grain ship. It left port carrying 2,000 containers loaded with unspecified goods. Several shipping companies said in recent days that they had ceased sailing to Ukraine and Russia altogether, given the escalation of tensions in the Black Sea. In a measure of those tensions, the Russian Navy on Sunday fired warning shots to halt a cargo vessel in the Black Sea and then sent armed officers on board to inspect it. Russia also struck at the port of Odessa overnight, along with some of Ukraine's Danube River ports, which have also been frequently targeted in recent weeks. You would have to have a good reason to take a ship into a port that is being bombed, said Mike Lee, a specialist in Black Sea agricultural projects at Green Square Agro Consulting in Britain. My feeling is that it would seem too risky. On Wednesday, the marine traffic website showed dozens of ships at anchor off the Romanian port of Salina, some waiting to enter a canal that leads to Ukraine's Danube River ports. The United Nations Security Council convened an emergency meeting on Wednesday over deteriorating conditions in Nagorno-Karabakh, a long-disputed region contested by two former Soviet nations where Russia's hand has lightened as the Kremlin focuses on the war in Ukraine. Nagorno-Karabakh, an enclave within Azerbaijan, is home to thousands of ethnic Armenians and has been a point of tension and fighting since the fall of the Soviet Union three decades ago reshaped power dynamics throughout its former empire. 
Armenia has remained far more closely allied with Russia than its neighbor, Azerbaijan, and the two have been at war repeatedly over the enclave. The emergency meeting on Wednesday was requested by Armenia, whose UN ambassador warned that the region is on the verge of a full-fledged humanitarian catastrophe because of an Azerbaijani blockade of a crucial supply road, known as the Lakin Corridor, connecting Nagorno-Karabakh to Armenia. In a letter to the Security Council, Armenia accused Azerbaijan of preventing civilians and supply trucks from passing through the corridor and of blocking the flow of electricity and natural gas to Nagorno-Karabakh. Children are struggling from malnutrition and lack of food, said Ararat Mirzoyan, Armenia's Minister of Foreign Affairs, during the emergency meeting. Armenia says Azerbaijan engineered protests last year, after a flare-up in fighting, that blocked access to the corridor. This spring, Azerbaijan set up a checkpoint on the passage, leading Armenia to call on Russia, which has troops patrolling the corridor as part of a 2020 peace deal that ended a six-week war over control of the territory to remove the Azerbaijani forces from the illegal blockade. Russia's intervention helped end that conflict, but now its hands are full with Ukraine. Talks this summer mediated by the United States, the European Union and Russia failed to achieve a resolution. Azerbaijan contends that Armenia has resisted efforts to find a diplomatic solution over the Lakin Corridor. In a statement, the country's Ministry of Foreign Affairs accused Armenia of trying to instrumentalize the UN Security Council for its political, military and informational manipulation campaign. A representative for the UN's Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, Edem Wozarnu, said that the International Red Cross Committee, the only international humanitarian organization that has access to Nagorno-Karabakh, has not been able to deliver food since June 14 or medicine since July 7. The Security Council delegate from France said that Azerbaijan has no legitimate reason for blocking passage through the corridor and called for unconditional and immediate restoration of movement.